Hi, my name is Rhonda Minga, and I would like to welcome you today to Freedom Ministries in Crawford, Arkansas. I invite you to connect with us online at freedomministriescrossit.com. Now let's take the time to pray before we tune in to today's message. Lord, I lift you up, and I just pray that you draw us by your Spirit. I pray that you show us your Word. You give us great and mighty revelations of who you are and how you want to move in and through us. Lord, be with these people as they tune in now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so it's important to have a conversion, a calling, and then there was a connecting that took place. If you read on down, uh, Saul goes back to Jerusalem. And when he gets to Jerusalem, he goes to the... uh, the Christian disciples, he goes to the disciples and they will not receive him because they know his reputation. And so it was smart for them. I don't know if they'd been trained, but see, it's, it's, it's smart in a church. If somebody comes in and, you know, they're sneaking around saying, man, I'm a prophet and I'm this and I'm that, but they won't ever approach the head. They don't want to talk to the head because they know what the head's going to say. I'm discerning that you need some help. Or I'm discerning you got devils or something. I mean, they may not say that outrightly, but if, if they have a problem approaching who's in leadership, there's something going on. And that was good right here that when Saul come out of nowhere, plus they were terrified of him, but he comes out of nowhere and they're like, whoa, get away from hell, buddy. We don't want nothing to do with you. But it says Barnabas took him to the apostles and the elders, and they sat down, and Barnabas explained the testimony of Saul and his conversion, and the apostles listened to it, and it says after that they allowed him to go in and out with them and minister with them, so they wanted to spend some time. We need to get connected and spend some time because it takes time to build that relationship. And what the gospel is about and what ministry about and the kingdom is about is relationships. We know one another by relationship. And it's, it's sad. And a lot of our churches in America, people come in and uh, it's cool here because people actually sit by each other. You can go in a church this size and people, everybody have their own pew. And I'm thinking, well, you don't like them other people? But you come to the same church. But we, we really don't know each other at times. We don't know what people are going through. We don't know what's going on in their life. And relationship is what does it. I mean, when you get on the road and you travel together, especially go on a mission trip for a week or so, you find out a few things. I've taken some people overseas, and I'm like, as soon as we get home, you ain't going no more. And the problem was I asked the pastor, what about this person? Oh, they'll be okay. I'm like, are you out of your mind? This person was not ready to go on a mission trip. They're not, we are not in agreement on things. And so that's where connection. I one time had a pastor, one of our pastors in northwest Arkansas. He had this guy that was operating, they called prophetically. And so I went up there to visit and so this guy, his name was George, was going to go back home with us for two weeks because Pastor Mike had brought George to our place, and he, he seemed pretty prophetic. He knew about the prophetic. 
So I'm let, let him come back and help us teach for a couple of weeks on the prophetic. And so Mike's like, yeah, we'll get him connected and everything. He didn't have a driver's license. So we brought him back home. It was miserable. I mean, after a week there, then he's going out at midnight, walking up and down the roads and stuff. And I'm like, nothing good happens after midnight. And then you don't want to tell why you're out or what's going on. And you're living in my house and you wonder why I'm confronting you about what you're doing and where you're going. And then you start in on my wife. You fixing to leave. Saranawa. And so I contacted the Mike, what's going on? Oh, we've had trouble with him for a year. Me and the other guy paid for him rent, paid for his food and everything else for a year. We couldn't get him to do nothing. Why are you giving him to me? Why didn't you at least tell me? Well, we thought you might could help him. Well, give me a heads up. Tell me. We're dealing with this stuff. Because send him to a pastor. Send him to an evangelist so he can get saved. And that's why, church, that's why you don't just, somebody comes in, nobody knows who they are, put them on a platform, or two weeks later people come in, they got a gift or a talent, and they want to be on the platform. And you, when, when you give somebody a platform, people in church are thinking, well, the pastor knows them, and they're allowing them to minister and stuff. And then the person comes off the platform, and next week they're over at so-and-so's house, and they're telling them, you know that pastor, they're doing this and that and everything else. And that person thinks this person has authority because you gave them authority. So it, it isn't generally, it isn't good business, it isn't uh, proper protocol or it isn't wisdom to start giving people positions. Some churches are so desperate for a teacher or something. First church I pastored. I mean, we're, you know, first Sunday morning, this girl walks in off the street. And I didn't know who she was, 14 years old, something. And the lady said, oh, why don't you get up on the stage and lead singing this morning? I'm like, are you crazy? Some other guy comes in, can you teach Sunday school today? I'm like, are you out of your mind? I mean, you don't even know. I sure don't know who this person is. You want them to go back in the back and teach somebody Sunday school? We're not that desperate yet. So, who's ever in leadership has responsibility for the flock. And if it's manipulating and controlling and wrong, then the best thing to do if you feel that way is go somewhere else. But there's a safety. It's supposed to be a safe zone. I mean, in church, when we're ministering and getting ministered to, this should be a safe area. We should be able to share what we need to share and do what we you know, need to do and let it be a safe zone. So that we can... Become the fullness, the measure, the stature of Christ. This should be the classroom. It's not the stage, it's the classroom. How do we learn? How do we train? How do you flow in the Spirit? You know, when... when says, okay, I want to call three people up to prophesy. Be, not me. <laughs> Some people say, choose me. <laughs> you know? But, so it's that type of, I mean... We ought to be doing those things in church because whatever is never done in church will never be done outside the church. If we've never prophesied in church, 99% chance we're never going to prophesy out there unless God just possesses us and things come out of our mouth that we're like. I mean, if he can tell a rooster to crow and a donkey to speak, he could surely use us at some time. 
But that doesn't happen all the time. So we have to have an atmosphere in a place where those things can be experienced, encouraged. Also, we need to be mature enough if somebody says, that's not right, that we don't get mad. I mean, that's most of the time why leaders don't want to do anything or because you bring some correction or discipline or something and they're mad and they tell 20 other people and next thing you got a coup. So let's just come in and worship and preach and everybody go home. It's just flowing. I'm just telling you like that. I mean, if we're going to have awakening and revival, we got to just get down to the nitty-gritty. I mean, we need to be mature enough to, because I hate to discipline people. Or, I mean, there's some people might just like to get in people's face. I don't like to do that. In fact, that's probably part of my problem when I had earlier people traveling is I never brought correction. Now I probably bring it a little quicker. But it's, it's not to destroy a person. It's to help them live and help them operate the way God wants them to. And if you're not in a place you can trust your leaders, you need to find a place where you can trust them. Because when, when you're training this type of stuff in the spirit, there's opposition to it. There's a war to be fought for it. Because the enemy knows when you start getting uh, equipped, man, you become dangerous for his campground. You're going to start setting people free that have chains. You're going to start seeing people be healed and delivered. See people be saved. And the enemy don't like that. He's, he's okay if we just come in and sit and go through our three songs, a prayer, a poem, and hang on the chandelier and go home. But he ain't okay when we're when we get off the cruise ship and we get on the battleship. The church has mostly been a Christian cruise ship. We go on and get served and have the buffet fixed and all of them uh, the staff takes care of our needs, but God's wanting us to be on a battleship. It's a whole lot different situation, but it gets something done. So, connected. Who's connected? I'm going to share a little bit of my testimony to go with connected. Um, it's based off of John 15, 1 through 6, because Jesus is the true vine. As a kid, up until I was seven years old, I was molested. Then when I was in second grade, I was abused by a teacher. And when I was 15, my virginity was stolen from me at a party because I was passed out. And by that time, I'd already given up hope because my parents were divorced and they were off doing their own thing. So I ended up in the cult because I didn't know who Jesus was because I wasn't raised in a church. When I was 18, I had my son. And when I was 19, I went back the second semester to graduate high school because I decided I didn't want to just to settle with the GED. There was these two guys in my art class. They was always talking about Jesus. So they started sharing Jesus to me. And they invited me to church and into a uh, Christian uh, 
weekend warrior camp. And I tell any teenager, if you see somebody that's lost, share Jesus with them. Because if them two didn't share Jesus with me, I don't know where I'd have been. Because I was at that place. And I asked them, they, we had prayer, and they asked me, they, we had prayer, and I said, well, what's prayer? Because I didn't know what it was. They said, just talk to Jesus. So I remember that, and that's when I found out who Jesus was. But I did fall away because I was, look, I was, I was chasing love in the wrong places. And I had encounters off and on through my life. But I always talked to Jesus. I started having a pooling to go back to church. In June 2014, I went to church and I started going. That August, he gave me deliverance. And for my birthday in 2015, I got the evidence of speaking in tongues. And I haven't stopped since. <laughs> but John 15 speaks a lot because you got to be connected to Jesus, to be connected to the divine dresser, and that's God. So I'm a branch on his vine. And it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. It's being connected to Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Woo. Get connected to Jesus. And then connect to your family family of God. We, we need that uh, connection, that accountability, uh, responsibility. Now, I've met some people, I just follow Jesus, that's all I follow. And some people say, well, I go out in the nature and I worship, you know, I worship God out there around the trees. Well, that's easy. The tree don't ever speak back to you. Never makes you mad or anything else. Iron sharpens iron. So it's you got to be around people if you're going to mature into Christ. I mean, he had 12 guys he poured his life into. One of them was a devil. And he knew it. He knew what was going on, and he still loved him. So, God, we have to be connected to people to be uh, equipped for the next season in our life. I'm not talking about being abused. You know, there's some people we need to get away from. So we're converted, called, connected, and then commissioned. I want to read in chapter 13 just for a second. We only got two more here. It says um, in Acts chapter 13, there were in the church in Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. So I want to skip to verse 2. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. 
So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they uh, sailed to Cyprus. The interesting thing to me in this is now they're actually they're meeting together, they're praying, fasting. The Holy Spirit calls them and sends them out. But since Acts chapter 9, they've never had hands laid on them to be commissioned. So they were connected and they were moving in and out of the body and they were, they were uh, being held accountable and they were, you know, they were, the apostles and stuff were checking them out. And they were equipping and training them. But they hadn't given them, Holy Spirit hadn't given them authority yet and sent them out to go do something. You know, some, some of us don't want to spend the time it might take to make that connection and spend the time with, that, uh, with the people there and with the Holy Spirit and wait on Him to send us out. We go prematurely. And we're not ready yet. And well... It, People come and enjoy the presence of the Lord that some other people have prayed for and paid the price for. (coughs) Sometimes they have the opportunity to minister some. They might get to pray for a few people or they'll pray for two people and they fall out and they think, man, I'm ready to go preach the gospel. Or they'll prophesy over somebody. Whoa, I'm ready. But... People don't understand. The bullseye that gets put on your forehead by the devil. Whenever you step out to step on a platform or go into full-time ministry, that's why you got to be called because there's a war going on. That's why we need to pray for our pastors, our apostles, prophets, and leaders because they're in a, a lot of time a continual battle. So... Just to think, and, and too many people think, well, I prayed for that one. I can prophesy. I can do as much as the pastor can do. I need to go do this. It, it ain't so much about what you can do or what you've learned. Because when you, when you walk it out for the next 30 years, there's something else that God gives. Every, every time you pass a trial, there's another measure of authority or the weightiness of God's presence that comes on you so that one person right here, they could have the head knowledge and they could be saying something and they're really hitting nothing that takes place in their words. And another person over here who's been in it for 30 years can be saying something and there's power coming from their words because they've walked through it, they've experienced it, they've overcome it. And there's something to that that we need to honor. It's like we were foster parents for 10 years and we go to a foster care meeting on you know, how to uh, take care of your kids. And somebody get up to speak, and they had a doctor's degree in psychology, psychiatry, or something. And the first question, if I got to ask them, is, how many kids do you have in your home? I never had a kid in my home. Well, let's shut up. I ain't, I ain't interested in listening to you. I remember one man, he'd had six kids in his home. said, no, nah, I'm going to sit and listen to you. But until you've had kids in your home night and day from out in all kinds of circumstances, don't tell me what to do. Amen. So that's, I mean, that applies to ministry too. And, and that connecting and in between time is a time for you to go get to do something, experience something with somebody right along beside you, teaching you and training you and working with you. And sometimes you're going to have to bite your lip and bite your tongue and hold your peace and honor, honor and submit. But if you'll do that over time, God will honor that because he's not going to always make everything just the way you like it. 
He's going to poke things at you just to stir you up. He's going to try to get that spirit of anger out of you. But he's going to bring things to the top. You're going to want to blow up. But just keep showing up. And God's going to honor that. And then when he does, she's like Joseph. It was about 17 years before he stood before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said, everything in Egypt's yours. He wouldn't have been ready for that 15 years ago. But now he's ready. He had wisdom in Potiphar's house. He had wisdom in the prison. And now he's ready to oversee a country. <clears throat> Hang in there. So God commissioned them. They laid hands on them. There was a spiritual authority given to them to go out now and do the work of God. Is that yours? Covered. Okay, I just want to start off with a Great Commission Bible verse in the Bible where it says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, a teaching, a teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." Um, whenever I was studying about the Great Commission, one thing that stuck out to me was the part where it says, but some doubted. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And I pondered on that. I said, okay, so here's all these disciples. Here's all these uh, men that have walked with Jesus. You know, they've seen him do all kinds of miracles, but yet they still doubted. And, you know, I prayed. I said, Lord, I said, what, what do they mean by that? And he told me, you know, that they doubted themselves, you know, that whenever he commissioned them, that they did not believe that they can actually go out and raise the, you know, raise the dead, heal the sick. You know, we doubt ourselves like we do in the church today, and that's why we kind of sit in the pews more and don't get out there and do stuff because we doubt ourselves. You know, why me? Why would you pick me to go and, to go and heal the sick and raise the dead? Because it's some serious stuff. Um, I, I had one encounter where I've actually, um, a little girl in my class back at home, her name is Brindley. I'm a one of the children's directors at my church, and she had fever blisters all over her mouth. Well, I've answered the Great Commission call in my life. I, I said, Lord, I surrender everything I have, and I want to do what you want me to do. Anyway, I had one of my prayer cloths with me, and I cut a little edge of it off. We were in class because she just got all these fever blisters. And I said, God, you said for me to, you know, to heal the sick, raise the dead, and, and I'm going to take my kingdom authority. And I prayed for her three times, and I gave her a piece of the prayer cloth. I said, Brindley, I said, take this home. Whenever you get home, you just say, God, thank you for healing me. Thank you for healing me. And she's just crying. Her mouth is so sore. Favorite blisters everywhere. Okay, and so I'm like, well, I just wonder what's going on. You know, a couple of days passed, you know, and I didn't hear anything from her mom or anything. And then I was actually at Walmart Friday evening getting ready on my stuff to come on the trip here to be with y'all awesome people. And, um... Her mom told me, she said, uh, Brinley's favorite blisters went away. It was Sunday. It went away Tuesday, completely gone. I don't know if, you, if you've had favorite blisters, but they take a long time to heal. So whenever you answer the call to the Great Commission, just imagine how many lives that you're affecting because you know you are going out to, to raise the dead, heal the sick. You know, all authority has been given to you. Um, and I want to look up, I looked up the, the meaning of commission. 
I've just got. I love to look up definitions, but it says commission, an instruction, command, or duty given to a person or group of people. And I guess some people wonder, well, have I? Am I supposed to be commissioned? Am I supposed to be, you know, um, out there doing this stuff? Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And if you think that you're not supposed to be commissioned, you need to meet with him or me after church, and we'll we'll talk to you and stuff. But. Um, Saturday morning, um, first I want to say, whenever you accept the Great Commission, there's a lot of cleansing that God takes you through. There's a lot of self-analysis that you do. There's a lot of repenting you have to do because God will, whenever you accept the Great Commission, understand that you really have to give everything you've got. But anyway, Saturday morning, about 4 o'clock in the morning, um, about 4 or 5, God woke me up. I heard him say, Vicki. I woke up and I looked around. I'm like, oh my gosh, is there somebody in the house? I heard Vicky. And then um, I thought the spirit of infirmity was coming over me because I started to feel kind of really sick and everything. And um, I, I discerned the spirit. I said, okay, God, what is this? And it was the spirit of, it, it was, well, the spirit, it was conviction coming over me. It was conviction. The Holy Spirit started telling me, you've got to let this go. You've got to let that go. You've got to let other stuff go. I'm telling you this because it's not a bed of roses. It's not pretty whenever you really accept the call in your life, you know, because we have a lot of carnality that we deal with and we have to let stuff go. So anyway, so I'm sitting here repenting. I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to let this go, let that go. I'm going to be obedient. And it, it lasted for about 15 minutes and he, about 15 minutes. And at the end, he told me whenever everything was over and done with, he said, um, he said, it's, a, it's not about you. It is all about me. And I think whenever we get commissioned, whenever we take that call, it's about him. It's not, not about getting up in front of people and the face value factor. It's about accepting the calling, you know, to go out and raise the dead because all authority has been given to us. That's huge. That's huge. I mean, the God that, that created the heavens and the earth, all authority has been given to you. Man, we got some stuff in us that we need to distribute you know, around people around us, all over the nation. And I hope to go to Uganda in uh, in March or September. So, and I want to go out and do this stuff and do the Great Commission. So, anyway, thank y'all so much. Here go, Brother Bill. Hallelujah. Converted, called, connected, commissioned, and uh, covered. In Acts chapter 15, there was a problem out. <clears throat> Paul and Barnabas were out preaching. There was a problem because the Pharisees uh, tried to put the new Christian converts under the law and wanted them to be circumcised and follow the law. So there was a great uh, conflict. They were arguing. A large argument took place. And so when they're out from Jerusalem is the mother church, they're out on the mission field and arguments taking place. And so they finally decide that the churches out there decide to send Paul, Barnabas, and some of the Pharisees, I think, went back, go back to Jerusalem. And they go back to Jerusalem, and when they get to Jerusalem, it says the pastors, the elders, and the church was there and received them in. And so Paul and Barnabas start sharing testimonies of miracles and things that are happening and then along the way, the Pharisees get up and they start sharing, they need to be circumcised. They need to be under the law. 
So they're having this big kind of meeting going on. And then Peter gets up and says, well, I preached to Cornelius and he received Jesus and they all got baptized in the Holy Spirit and they all spoke in tongues just like we did. And so they're having, but where did they go back? They went back under their covering. They were covered by the apostles of Jerusalem. They were covered by the mother church. And here's Paul who writes most of the New Testament is submitted back to Jerusalem to the apostles who were there. Even though he's an apostle himself. Who's also, Peter's also submitted. He's been out on the field running around. But he comes back. They come back to that covering. So there's a protection in the covering. And when they come back, and then finally James stands up and he says, this is what we need to do. We need to write a letter and say that they don't need to eat food that's been offered to idols. They don't need to eat food that's had blood in them. They don't need to commit sexual immorality. And they don't have to worry about circumcision or obeying the law. This is what they need to do. So there was decision made at home, and it went back out, and there was protection in that. Now decision's been made, the apostles back it up, the home church backs it up, and now it's done. And so a covering is for our protection. It's, it's when we're networked together and we're covered uh, by other people, that, that don't mean that, you know, that I can't do anything with it. i got to call them every day and see what I can do today. No, that ain't what it means. But that means when we're out there and we're facing, you know, just me personally, when I come to a church by myself, there's a difference in when a team comes that's on the same page, that's going after the same things, even though uh, they're under my covering. I mean, they, if I ask them to do something, they do it. If, you know, so they're not upset with being submitted to that because they know there's protection too. We were in a home meeting with one of our other girls with us, and this guy got demons cast out of him first, and then some more ministry and some more demons cast out of him. And the next thing he's over talking to one of the girls and says, I believe God told me you're supposed to marry me. I didn't find that out till we left. But it's funny because the same kid called me a couple days later, I need to talk to you. So I called him. He said, man, there's just a burning word inside of me. I've got to go preach. How do I do this? Do I just call pastors and see if I can come preach? And I said, well... Just the other day, you're getting demons cast out of you. Then you're propositioning one of the girls on our team about getting married, and she's already married. I said, I think you ought to stay saved about six months. And then see if God opens the doors. If you go after heaven, be accountable somewhere, get connected somewhere, stay saved for a little while, get the demons out of you, when, when the time is ready, God will open the door for you. He's about crying when we got off the phone. He said, oh, thank you for that. I said, you call me, I'm going to tell you like it is. But if I'd have known, I, I told Priscilla next time, I said, if anybody tells you something, you tell them to go see him. Because I'll tell him, see, that there's protection. I'm watching out for those who go with me. And if some knucklehead comes up and starts acting stupid, me and Brother Terry's going to take care of him. <laughs> Just be prepared. <clears throat> so you have that. You know, and during the week, we got a Facebook group, I need prayer, whatever. There's protection in that covering. And as we expand, 
You know, in, in Africa, we just added three apostles, three, teach, uh, three elders to our one guy's heart. Now he's not by himself. He has a whole group of people with him to go and fight against the principalities and powers and rulers. And if something's happening to one of them, they have the other ones to cover them and pray for one another so that we, you know, it, it would be like this one person I was worth, he, he didn't really believe in um, structure. He didn't believe in fivefold ministry really that much. And he really didn't believe in, I said, what, is, what about Timothy and all these other books talking about? He said, well, I, I read the gospel in the book of Acts. I really don't know much about those others or know if I even believe them. I'm like, oh, we got a big problem right now. But so could you imagine saying we're going to invade Germany and there's no general, there's no sergeants, there's no, how would that work out, brother? That'd, that'd be really cool. We just all show up on a boat and say, what do we do? I don't know. Somebody shoot, do something. And they drop the boat open and every one of us to get killed right there. Bam. Because somebody's got to have the, that's why I like prophets. They got the Air Force. They're looking up here. Whoop, you know, and uh, the apostles are like, go in and fight. And the Air Force is up here saying, whoop, don't go that way. <laughs> you know? I mean, I've had to call Darla in India. I'm like, this and this and this is going on. You need to pray. She's praying and said, oh, I see this, I see this, I see this. You need to leave there tonight, Bill. Okay, thank you, that's it, we're gone. I see how much fun this can be when we get this thing going. So I want Brother Terry to come share a little bit about covering. Oh, Lord, hallelujah. I'm going to talk a little bit. Is it, is it biblical to have a spiritual covering over someone? But first, I want you to go to, I'm going to read out of Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 through 12. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he has falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Won't you listen to that? Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? Verse 12, But if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a three-four cord is not quick. Do you get that? So is it biblical? Is it biblical? Thank you for giving me this one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God placed us as in a people into a family. We are not just a family, but we are God's family. We can call on Him, God our Father. We belong to Him, and we belong one to another. One of the mega benefits of being a part of God's family has to do with having someone to stand with us, protect us, guide us, and strengthen us. Having a spiritual covering in your life has to do with being properly submitted to and connected with someone who is committed to take care of you and oversee your life. See, Jesus encountered who has this understanding of the impact of this type of relationship with in the spiritual realm. Book of Matthew chapter 8, verse 9 and 10. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I say unto this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another cometh, and he cometh, and to my servant, 
do this, and he does it. But when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. No, not one in Israel. So when are you properly, when you're properly submitted to someone else who is healthy and strong and able to impart something good to you, you gain several things. First, you gain protection. That you have someone standing with you in prayer, believing God with you when you go through tough times for victory. Number two, you, get, you gain wisdom. Having a person with abundance of good counsel over you can save your life from heartache and pain and suffering. Number three, you have restoration. God uses that person that is a spiritual covenant over you to help you bring you back to a healthy spiritual life when when life or ministry can bring you down. Woo. Hmm. Credibility. This is easier to trust someone who is properly submitted. And being submitted reveals teachable and humility. You must have a teachable spirit. Woo. Encouragement. Often the Holy Spirit uses who we are submitted to to lift us up, to speak life over us when we get down. Correction. Oh, here's a good one. It's also easier to hear about something that, that needs to change from those who have proven to us that they care and that they are capable. Ooh, can you say amen, church? And this, impartation, this is a good thing. Impartation, when we select the right person. Oh, to, when you select the right pastor. Come on, somebody help me. To be a covering, we gain a portion of the anointing that's upon them. You want a greater anointing? Get on the... That's done it. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> See, everyone needs to be submitted to someone. Oh, come on. I only got one amen. Come on. Yeah, amen, church. Spiritual covering. Listen to this. Sin is disobedient to God's authority. Woo. How dare we say no to someone over us? Oh, it really got quiet there, didn't it? See, all authority is instituted by God. God established his rule in the church through people. He has delegated his authority. You have in the book of Ephesians chapter 4. The apostle. Oh, give me some. Hallelujah. He's our, he is our government. Woo! He's the strong tower. The prophets, the one that look in your eyes and tell you how it is. You want it back? 
prophets. That's why God is stabbing the fivefold back into the church so we can do it right. We need some evangelists that's red hot, true blue, setting a flame to reach this city for God. I'm really ready to jump some bitches now. Pastor's here to preach, not me. We need some pastors that will look into us and preach to us. Tell us the truth when we're not living right. These <laughs> teachers, we need someone that can teach Bible to us, Bible truth. What is what's Bible doctrine? It ain't nothing but the truth of the Word of God. The fivefold, not one. The pastor. We need the body of Christ to rise up and walk in your calling. I didn't hear much. Say amen on that one. I'm about through. You, you straightened it out here in a minute. That's what apostles for. <laughs> they, he gave us fivefold to set authority in the church. In the church. So the church can reach a world for God. Just having a pastor, it, I'm through it. I better get off of that before I get myself in trouble. See, obedience to the Lord requires obedience. Romans 13, verse 1. Listen to this, 1 and 2. Then every soul be subject to the higher power. For there's no power but God, the power that be ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist to themselves, damnation. You want to wind up in hell? Oh, rebel against the authority in God's house. When these five-fold ministries speak, look into eyes and tell you to do something, you say, ha, ha, let's go do it, let's go do it, let's go do it. Because if you resist, you're sending your hell, your soul to hell. See, obedience to the Lord requires obedience to God's delegated authority. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Rebellion to authority opens one up to demonic realm, resulting in deception. You cannot do it on your own. This ain't a one-man island. It's a family together, sticking together, working together to accomplish it. Shakarabahata yotoya. 
Spiritual authority and blessing flows to those who suffer under authority. Hebrews 13, 17 says this. Obey them that have rule. Is it biblical? <laughs> For someone. <laughs> hey. Let's read that again. Obey them that rule over you and submit yourself. For they watch for your soul and must give account. In Colossians chapter 3, the last one. Verse 22, 24, listen to this. Servants, obey in all things. What did he say? <laughs> Your master according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of the heart, fearing God. What's wrong with the church? We don't fear God anymore. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily. As unto the, and not unto man. When you, when you serve your pastor, when you serve the pastor of the church, you serve it unto the Lord God Almighty. Yeah. And when the apostle comes in and preaches, you submit. Is it biblical? Woo. I mean, don't shoot the messenger. The thing about it is, if that person you submit to is taking advantage, manipulating, abusing that privilege, they stand before God one day, and they make an account for it. And it's a fearful thing to stand in the presence of a living God. And I think a lot of leaders have not thought about, they've used their authority for their gain instead of thinking about, one day I'm going to stand before God. And if I've abused the precious gifts that he's put under my Authority to protect, to watch over, to bless, to, to water, to pour seed into, to help them grow. If I've abused that gift, I'm going to face God one day and he's going to spank me. I mean, it's just like uh, Moses when he struck the rock instead of speaking to it. He didn't get to go in the promised land. There's a higher degree of responsibility when God has put you over people. There's a higher degree of responsibility for what you do, what you say, how you treat people. And people that are in leadership or going into leadership need to take into account. It's not a privileged position to take advantage of people. In fact, Jesus said, follow me, watch me, I'll wash people's feet. You do the same thing. So we don't take that lightly that it's people's lives we're dealing with. I don't take it lightly. And any leader should not take that lightly. Also, Brother Terry said something about the, when, when you're submitted to an authority, you walk in the power of that authority. So 
I think of a local sheriff's department. You have a sheriff in this town, in this county. So you have sheriff deputies. And if a deputy shows up on your door with a subpoena or something, it's just like the sheriff showed up. Amen. If he stops you to write a ticket or arrest you or whatever, he has the same authority and power as a sheriff being there. That's how I feel like it is with fivefold ministry. If you're submitted to and cooperating with that ministry, you're walking in the authority that they're walking in. When you show up and face the devils and you're praying for God to heal people, deliver people, whatever you're submitted to, you're walking in. If you're submitted to a place that don't believe in none of that, it's probably not going to happen in your life. But if you're submitted to people that believe in that or are doing that, then you're going to walk in that same anointing. Thank you again for tuning in with us. If this word ministered to you, please consider sowing a seed to Freedom Ministries at freedomministriescrossit.com. We have made it available to you on the giving page. Thank you again. Go and be blessed. In Jesus' name.